Wild West was a place that was void of God's law and every man did what was right in his own eyes. More than 95% of Americans lived in places with fewer than 2,500 inhabitants. By 1830, the distance of the prairie needed circuit riders to spread God's word. Some called them saddlebag preachers. These were a different kind of clergy, used to long, dusty roads and lonely, empty spaces. They rode from church to church on horseback. These days, many of those same places still have less than 2,500 folk. The men and women who are called there are still a different breed of clergy. The needs are different, but the call to reach men and women with the message of Christ is still the same. In the spirit of these circuit riders, we aim to meet a few of those specific needs. Welcome to the Circuit Rider Podcast. Here are your hosts. Hi, I'm Mike Cool, and welcome to another episode of the Dirt Roads Circuit Riders Podcast. I'm here with the wonderful Steve McVeigh and the amazing Doug Rutledge, who is just uh, fun to be sitting with him. I'm just throwing him out. Like, um, do you remember uh, Bill Rafferty? He does all the games on NCAA, the NCAA tournament. He oh always my. has this big silver hills. Like, and I like to see if I can match that. My dream was really to be a, a college sports announcer. I never got to live that dream out. Why Bill Rafter? I I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm a big fan of his. You know, story yeah, I boy, he says stuff, and I sit there and I'm like, what does that even mean? It's, so it's Bill Walton. Well, it's hey, okay. yes, I mean, come on. Here's, here's my Bill he? Walton impersonation. It's like, <laughs> gotta stand. But Bill Rafter's like, oh, I don't even know what he said. He's just. Oh, it works goodness. for me. But you know, I realized that dream died to be a TV sports caster, um, <laughs> and I realized that I had a face for radio. And that's why I love podcasts. Mm. Ah, that mm. is so. That is so awesome. I realize I've <laughs> that's just made awesome. One of two radio and hosts. And hosts. speaking of self-esteem, and yes. neither one said, "Oh no, you're good looking, Mike." They just went along with that. Um, feel the love for my two friends here. Mm. Uh, and <laughs> anyways, and Mike, we've been talking about self-esteem. No, Mike, I'm okay. I'm you okay. are an incredible looking man. <laughs> that's not me. This awkward. <laughs> I'm just hoping to say, no, you're not that ugly. Just awkwardly, I feel like the third wheel in the room. (laughs) All I was hoping for was, all I was hoping for was the moment of like, you know, hey, you're not that ugly, but I didn't even get that. That was a wish on my part. That's a self-esteem issue. I mean, you know, it's a comparison thing. And and there's always somebody better looking and always somebody uglier. So so true. So who is that referring to in this room? (laughs) So here's the deal. All right. We're going to jump into this. We have been talking about becoming a missionary. We've been talking about the transition, the shifts, and and we really got into this last the last two podcasts, the idea of vision and the idea of a scorecard. And behind both of those things, we said a few things that just this really jumped out at me. And so I want to bring it up and just get your guys' reaction to this. When we were talking about vision, one of the things that we sort of asked was, does a small rural church need to have a vision? And of course, the answer is yes. And then when we got talking about the scorecard, we got into how the scorecard, we we began that podcast by talking about how the scorecard sets direction. You know, what do you, what do you celebrate? What do you, what do you measure? You know, what you measure and celebrate gets done. What do you prioritize? But we moved into the comparison thing because then mm-hmm. people compare scorecards. And rural pastor, I maybe my experience is different than you guys, but rural pastors sometimes we develop 
an inferiority complex because we are rural and smaller. Mm-hmm. And the passage of Scripture that comes to mind, because I want you to understand that you matter far too much to let an inferiority complex get in the way of ministry, because it does. And in Numbers 13, the 12 spies have been sent into the land, the promised land. These, these 12 spies have seen the power of God. Now, they were raised slaves, okay? And we this could be a sermon, like, Pastor, right now, start taking notes. This could be a sermon for you sometime, but I want you to open your heart to this. Here's, I just want to read this from, from the Scripture, beginning in verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, and so uh, Caleb has given this good report, Joshua has given this report, but the other ten say, we can't attack those people, we can't accomplish the mission, we can't do what God has told us, because they are stronger than we are. And so they're viewing, they're comparing. The, the scorecard that they have is a comparison scorecard. They are stronger than us. And they weren't content, by the way, and this is just true. They weren't content with just them having that view. It says the next verse, they spread a bad report about the land they had explored. They said the land explore, the land we explored devours those living in it. They exaggerated. Their inferiority led them to exaggerate the problem. I mean, what, were they walking down a path and, you know, the, the ground opened up and ate somebody? I doubt that happened. But they exaggerated this bad report. And, and they go on and they, they said, all the people we saw, were of great size. Really? Every single one of them? I mean, every single one of them was above average, right? Isn't that what Garrison Keller says about... Anyway, you know, every single one of them is bigger. They begin to see everything is bigger than them because of where they are. And then it talks about how they saw the descendants of Anak. And then they say, this is the key, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. And here's, here's what, so, so what I see them doing is they have an inferiority complex. They assume everyone looking at them sees, they see themselves as small. They assume that everyone who sees them is small. So like if their district superintendent says anything to them, they're reading it through the lens. He or she thinks I'm small. So they interpret everything that way. And here's the problem. It leads them to not do great things for God. God's ready to give them the promised land, and it isn't that they don't believe he can do it. It's that they don't believe he can do it with them because of how they view themselves. And I'm telling you, as we've got talking about vision and scorecard, and you're a missionary, I just want to say to you, Pastor, and I'm going to throw this out to you too. Maybe I'm way off. Maybe we don't even broadcast this podcast, you know, maybe this. But I want inferiority complex a belief that you're small because you're in rural or that you don't matter because you're in a smaller community or your congregation isn't as big will hold you back from truly being an effective missionary because you won't believe that you can accomplish the mission. Yeah, I think the bottom line is that there are two sides on this. So when we're talking about an inferiority complex, uh, the flip side of that is arrogance. Mm -hmm. And I think that both stem from pride. The fact that I want to be the most notable. Uh, so Gideon hid in the threshing, you know, in, in the on the threshing floor, 
because he felt like he was nothing. But there are other examples, lots of examples of people who believed that they were really something special. Self-esteem goes both ways. And a lot of times uh, we live in a day of incredible self-promotion, incredible mm-hmm. self-promotion. And so when I'm listening to, to you know, this concept, I, I agree with you, I think, that thinking, oh, we're no good, we're too small, we, you know, we'll never accomplish anything. I think that the flip side of that is, in my little rural community, I'm everything, I'm as good as it gets. And, and it can be one or the other, it can be the big fish yeah. in the little pond or the little fish that's afraid of the sharks in the big pond. And I think either way, it's still the same issue, which is pride, yeah. and it's taken my eyes off of where my self-esteem is derived. I think it comes back to, and I've been harping on this for a while, um, with pastors is your lack of identity hmm. and, and, and your lack of identity in Christ. So it's really interesting. We, we tell we tell our, we tell our congregations, you know, you're a children of, you're a child of God. And then we don't live it out ourselves. And here's what I mean by that. It shows up in self-esteem. It shows up in pride. Pride's a sin, by the way, both ways. But a lot of it shows up the fact that we lack identity. We don't see ourselves in his value. Instead, we try to please men. We try to get up on the stage. We think those people up front at a conference have it all together. Um, that's what I, when, my experience with those things with others. And I probably was there at some point in my life, like confessionally here, I'm telling you that that's what I, I know I've done in the past. Mm-hmm. And it, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't matter who does what. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It matters what you do for the kingdom, but it doesn't matter if someone else is doing something different. It doesn't matter if someone else has got a different vision than yours. And, yeah. and, and here's what I mean by that. I think so often we think that our value is coming coming from looking like the big fish in a small pond, which I don't be honest, I'll be really honest, I don't see a ton of that from small pond. There's, there's, they're out there. And right. I think there's the ones that stick out because they're like the law of minority. Right. But majority of them are on the other end. They're grinding it out. And they start to like think, well, is this worth it? Does anybody care? Does anybody notice me? And, I, and it'd be harsh. It doesn't matter if anybody notices you. Hmm. Yep. The only thing that matters is that Jesus notices you. And, and there's a truth to that because a lot of them want to be noticed. And if you start to care about what Jesus notices and not what you know, what others notice, it changes your perspective on your ministry. Can I throw something in here? Sure, uh, so sure. we're three old white guys talking about uh, <laughs> self-esteem and inferiority complexes. And the revelation for me is a conversation I had with my wife where I said, I believe that a lot of men aspire to the accolade of their peers. It, it mm-hmm. seems to be a guy thing. Yep. Because she has, uh, she has told me, well, that's not the way I think. I, you know, I'm about the task of bringing glory to God. I, I'm not trying to make her uh, into a saint. Uh, uh, but what I am saying is, maybe this is a decidedly guy-girl difference. And, uh, you know, we're talking to some, uh, some uh, women pastors out there who may feel like the, the whole machine keeps them subverted under the boot of man. And they're not wrong. I mean, they're not wrong. Well, I was just going to say that. I was going to say most of them have experienced, you know, that reality of being ignored. And yet some of them can fall in the same traps, yeah. you know, and fall into that trying to press. I, I, it's interesting. Um, I, I've watched what we call a, we have a, a women's group nationally for the vineyard. And there's a, a dear friend of mine. I won't say her name. She's uh, her and her husband I've known for years they've helped mentor me and and she gets annoyed because all of a sudden they want her attention 
because she's the one. And then you can see the self-esteem issues flare up in the girls as much as the guys, just from a different angle. Yeah, absolutely. I think what I'm saying is we we can, like even arrogance. Okay, like you were talking about arrogance. I think in most cases, arrogance is inferiority on display. Yeah. I am arrogant to overcompensate for the fact that I feel inferior. So I'm. it's a male thing maybe, but I think it's a human thing that I, so a lot of the arrogant pastors that I know, when I really get to know them, they're not so arrogant. Here's here's what I'm trying to say. And and again, this podcast might get thrown away. If you get to hear it, hopefully it speaks to you. But our identity comes from who Jesus says that we are. And if Jesus called me to this community, I want you to think this through, just like these these spies, okay? If Jesus called me to this community, if Jesus gave me a vision for his church in this community, and he's given me a scorecard, I know what I'm supposed to do, I should not look at other people and compare myself to them. God has called me, and I should rest in who God has made me and act. The interesting part about that is um, small in their own eyes. Yes. And the whole point of that, for, to me, was you're trying to get to is that. And you don't know who's in your church. You don't know who you've influenced. And that's why you talk about influence. You don't know what the next generation does. I, I got to listen to uh, Doug's wife, Dawn, share a beautiful story. I wish we, we need to get her on here, gentlemen. Like yes. these three old white guys is getting a little goofy. We need to get some, he said that he didn't want to make her a saint because of, of her inability to be like, doesn't, she isn't compared to others. The fact, Doug, that she stayed with you all these years is sainthood. Well, I anyway, think so. I, it does say something. It does say something. Um, I would just say what she shared. She shared how people had invested in her. Now, none of those people's names were probably ever in lights. None of those people's names probably will ever give credit in society. But I like to believe, and this is maybe my cool theology here, maybe not a Christian theology, so you can send your letters to Doug Rutledge at, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, Crossroads Farm. Crossroads Farm. Dot org. Dot org. Doug and, at. And Doug at. <laughs> um, the reason I share this is I like to believe that in heaven, those people probably got more celebration over what they did for Don than we'll ever know. I'm, I'm going to come back to something here. Um, I, I think that the self-esteem issue is maybe the wrong question. I think my value and my identity in Christ matters. How do I, how do I place that as my measuring stick mm-hmm. when the rest of the world puts a different measuring stick on me? Yeah. So that's a hard question, and I either become great in my own eyes or I become small in my own eyes. Uh, I think that those are really good questions. What are we saying to the pastor who may be struggling with some self-esteem issues? I say you're a child of God, called of God, and do not allow others to define you, but don't allow your perception of yourself to define you either. You are God's child. I I like that. I contend, and I agree, I think we stop doggone comparing ourselves to somebody else. That'll preach. And and, uh, so... uh, share a little bit of a story. So I ran uh, cross country in high school and I can make this pretty quick. Uh, We were a very good cross country team. And because we were a very good cross country team, uh, I was privileged my junior year to run at state. 
here's here's the deal. Um, I didn't know how this thing went. It was my first year to run cross country as a junior. Um, only seven of our runners uh, made varsity. They were scorers. I didn't appreciate the fact that I'd just run in state because I had nothing to really compare that to. And I also thought that because I was the seventh runner on a seven-man varsity, which had more like 15, 16 guys, but because I was the least of the scoring runners, that it was not a valid effort. I, I felt like I was a loser. Mm. And the result is the next year I didn't run. Mm. But the truth is, and I, please understand this, um, it's not a bragging thing, it's a comparison thing. I was the seventh runner. There were meets where I placed seventh. In comparison to other teams, I would have been the better runner, but because I had my eyes every day fixed on what essentially was su were, were superstars, I felt less. Mm -hmm. The second I take my eyes off of the scorecard, my time, my comparison, what I mean to the team, and as a seventh runner, I mean something to the team. As a seventh runner, I mean something to the team. In if I compare myself, I start letting pride elevate. Right. And that, that leads both ways. And, and I think that's the key. And I just want to like, like give you a thought. You let Doug, I'll let Steve wrap up. But I think the key about this is this. I think you need to start with the simple thing of going through the Bible and seeing what Jesus says about identity and start placing that in your life. Maybe Steve, you could ever give us a step for that. Like, what can I do? So I'm in stuck in my comparison world, and I used to do this. Like, I'm stuck in my comparison world. I'm looking at, you know, Joe Smith's probably bad choice of names. Joe Smith's church down the down the road, and um, and, and he built a tremendous temple. He did. Just for the record, but you know, down the road, and I'm comparing myself to him, and and I'll pick a different name. Uh, John Deere, there we go. Chess tractors comment there. We pick John Deere on the other side. Pick a name: Mary Baker, Glover, Patterson, Eddie. Just, <laughs> no. just went off the rails. I just did. We need a little little moment of levity. But I think I think the whole point is is once I did that, I started. I took my eyes off the cross. I took my eyes off of Jesus, and and that's like something that could be a daily thing for us. Yep, absolutely. And so, Pastor, as you become a missionary. You have to focus not on people in other mission fields, not what you thought you might be someday, but what is God's calling for you and respond in faith. And when you're feeling insignificant, understand you were knit together in your mother's womb by God to serve right where you're serving. He created you. You are his masterpiece. He created you in advance for where you are, and rest in that and go take the promised land. That's what we have for you today. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. The Circuit Riders would like to thank our partners for their interest in assisting rural leaders. Rich Roast Custom Coffee, supporting rural missionaries with a wide variety of delicious worldwide coffees. Our friends at thinkorange.com, wanting to join your team to help you create a better experience this week for kids and teenagers. Katrina at crossroadsfarm.org. Vineyard Small Town USA. Vineyard Small Town USA, equipping churches to plant in small towns across America. 
Disciples of Jesus Making Disciples. MultiplyVineyard.org slash SmallTownUSA. Crossroads Farm, working alongside of rural remote churches to provide an outsourced cooperative youth ministry that really works. CRF, loving the rural team. www.crossroadsfarm.org. Dirt Roads Network, transforming rural America by planting and revitalizing life-giving churches in small towns and communities. www.dirtroadsnetwork.com. For more information about the Circuit Riders or any of these partners, check out our Facebook page or contact them on each of their websites. On behalf of the Riders, I'm Carl Miller saying, until the next Circuit Riders podcast next week, happy trails.